25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, everyone? And welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And you all might be thinking, you all just had an episode last week. Why are you so excited to record? Um, well, that's the power of, of pre-recording episodes and uh, taking some self-care time for ourselves. Because this is the first time we recorded in a minute. And I'm so excited to be recording on the day before an episode releases. That feels really nice. No Memorial Day mishaps here on this episode. No anything. Laura, we were recording the day before an episode posts. It feels like the world is restoring itself back to normal order. I'm feeling great about it. I hope you are too. How the hell are you on this Monday night? Um, I am okay, but I'm very excited. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Me, me gushing like so, like oh my god, like the world is restoring its order. Laura, how are you? I'm okay. <laughs> well, I like to be truthful. No, I love the authenticity. We have to give these people. What I'm actually kind of shit myself. Like if I'm actually being honest with you, but this has brought me the most joy that I've had in a minute. So I'm very happy to be back. Yes, that I fully agree with i am so excited when you asked me today if i was free to record i was like yes please we haven't oh, talked we really haven't talked to each other a whole lot either yeah. in the last couple of weeks and also we haven't talked about hockey i guess other than text messages when playoff games have been happening but um so i am very happy to be recording but I would be lying if I said that the basically month that we took off for recording has not been great. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was supposed to be a mental health break. And I think for both of us, <laughs> I think like we actually like might be coming to the show right now with more mental health concerns than when we took <laughs> a break. And just like general life problems that have um, right. eroded um, right. no, so in the last that. month. But no. Um, no, that's very fair. And I think it's funny that I just like expect like in the back of my head, like this entire like all weekend, I was like, yeah, I'm recording Monday night with Laura. And I like just never talked to you about it. I was never <laughs> like, hey, Laura, we're recording Monday, right? I just like was like, yeah, we're recording on Monday because that's what we do. And I think we're back into it. I was just like, fuck it. Like, yeah, that's what we're doing. Well, I probably thought to myself at least six times in between uh, Friday and Sunday to be like, I should text him and ask him when he wants to record um aren't but, you amazed with my executive dysfunction that i still found a way to text you first about it that is really impressive i feel like um, it's a big win for both of us i feel like it's a big win for your worrying about me forgetting about you and me for having good like motor like good like rem, like what's the word i don't even know the word for it because i'm so bad at it but organization skills i don't know that's probably not it either but Yes, I just blamed the fact that I had spent three and a half full days watching my sister's two youngest kids and was physically exhausted. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, you were, you did have your hands full. You had your auntie hands full, which is always when you're at your best. So, like when you're. I did. I had to go fishing. Which, okay, folks, <laughs> you're getting a special little nugget. 
very, very rarely in me and Laura's friendship have I ever like, ch- like felt like I couldn't trust Laura. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I will tell you that like when it comes to fish, like please don't trust her because we don't. have the privilege of watching a fish for our friend. And this was in our office. Like they had kept the fish in the office. We fed it everybody, all that kind of stuff. Well, the tank started getting grotesque. Like, it was grody. And Laura and I, the whole time it's communicated that it's going to be a team effort. The whole time. I have no reason to expect that it won't be a team effort. And um, we get to uh, cleaning the tank. And I have, at this point, transferred. Did I transfer Bruno into the, like, I think without like issue, I transferred Bruno from the tank into the holding cell for the cleaning. I think the issue yeah, is that I, I transferred Bruno got... back into. Yeah. Tank. I think it was getting him out. That was fine. Yes. But the getting him in. So Bruno had another idea. Like I had just gotten done cleaning this grody tank, which like it was actually the most repulsive fish tank I've ever seen. Our office before. stunk. For the longest time after. And so I go to put Bruno back in the tank and Bruno (laughs) says no thanks. Bruno was a beta fish, mind you. Correct. So Bruno took a dive onto the table that I was like, I had the tank on and he was just sitting there. And I'm like, not panicking because I'm afraid of fish. I'm panicking because I think this fish is going to die. I go to look for Laura for help. She's gone. (laughs) She's left. She walked away from the situation and I ran away from the situation screaming at me from across the room, like across, like I can't even see her. I can just hear her. And so I learned then that Laura is petrified of fish, mm-hmm. which would have been great to know. <laughs> like, like you didn't have that on your CV when we were like, sure, we'll watch the fish. Like you didn't tell anybody that you actually hate fish. I do. I do actually hate fish. So I know that about you now. And so in everywhere in a situation that requires or involves any sort of a fish, I like know not to go to Laura. Like I know that she is the wrong bitch and I am the, like, I'm okay with that. Um, so when she texted me this weekend and said that she was going fishing, I think I said something along the lines of, oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> actually, I think the direct text was, mm, pardon? <laughs> oh, I, I might've said beg pardon. I might've just said beg pardon. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds right, actually. Yes, my uh, nephew Hudson and niece Hallie and their older brother Jameson, but he wasn't with us, um, love to go fishing. And and my mom also loves to go fishing. She has helped instill this love of fishing into them. And we, my sister was away at a wedding and we had the kids and they really wanted to go fishing. And my mom really wanted to take them to go fishing. And I was like, I am not going to be helpful <laughs> in any of this. I said, what happened to, I was like, what happened to catch a fish? <laughs> like my mom's handling it. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like I will not touch like the bait. I will not touch the fish. I do not. And thankfully, my 17-year-old nephew, Zach, was home from Florida and also with us. And so he got to be the secondary fish toucher uh, to my mom. So, but I was very encouraging. Um, I think Hudson caught four fish and Hallie got one. She was very excited about it. Um, And I just, you know, was very supportive. That's fair. I'm glad that you 
managed to get through that without any issue. Speaking of fish, um, the Toledo Walleye ended up getting eliminated in the finals. They lost in the Kelly Cup finals in the ECHL um, last week, I think it was. Um, they lost to the Florida Everblades. Former Taxi Squad Blue Jacket Cam Johnson was actually the goaltender for the Everblades. Um, so that's a nice little news and note. Um, but when the Walleye score their first goal, they do throw a Walleye onto the ice. Aww. I feel sad about that, kind of. They actually, they actually missed the ice. Oh, no. So did the walleye go on the people? It hit the glass, and then it just fell on the people that were sitting. And my first thought was you. I was like, if that would have happened, Laura would have had a whole ass panic attack. Oh, I would have, I would have, I would have passed away. Like I just, I just would have passed away. For sure. But uh, all of that playoff talk and that story to segue perfectly into the fact that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about the NHL playoffs, which are now like on their last leg, the Stanley Cup finals beginning this week. And uh, the Colorado Avalanche have made it out of the West and the Tampa Bay Lightning have made it out of the East. You've heard this one before, folks. The Blue Jackets still continue to be the last team to eliminate the Tampa Bay Lightning, and we will hold on to that with pride. Um, And we'll wait and see if if that remains, because this series is going to be a lot of fun. Laura, what do you think is going to happen? Personally, and I've said it here before, I have a huge disdain for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think it's so boring that they are in the finals again. And so I'm 100%, and this will probably mean that they'll lose, but I'm 100% backing the Colorado Avalanche. They haven't won since 2001. It's time. I'm so over Tampa winning, and I just, I need a different team to win. So go Avs. No, I mean, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, the lightning and and my dad actually called before he started recording this episode. He did want me to tell you that his prediction is that um, it's going to either go seven and the avalanche are going to win, or it's going to go six and the bolts are going to win. So a lot of caveats to this pick. And he also um, wanted us to know that uh, if he's wrong, then fuck us. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm going to say nothing, only that I love your father and um, we can agree to disagree. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's just like, it's one of those things where like, and and you will know this of me as somebody who has a gambling addiction, but it's like when you play roulette, right? Like when you play roulette, they tell you that if you win, if you hit, that you shouldn't take your chips off of the hit that you just had. So like if you just hit red, like don't take your chips off of red. That's kind of how I feel about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like it's like they keep winning and it's so hard to bet against them. Like it's so hard. Like I hate them. I don't want them to win. But I feel like you have to agree with me here. Like it, it feels hard to be like this is going to go another way because we've just known – for the last two years that this is how it's going to go. And they haven't really given you any, like with the exception of maybe the first two games against the Rangers 
And then it was so promising at first. Oh, it was so promising. And the Rangers <laughs> being up two nothing in game three and then losing the next four games. It's just like, oh God, it's tough. But all of that to say, I will not be surprised if the Lightning win again. Like, I just like it feels like Andre Vasilevsky is so good in these moments. Like he could be shit the regular season. And I feel like he is like the reverse uh Sergei Bobrovsky to me. Like he's like yeah. And so I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, but it feels really oh, hard. I to hope know. you're wrong too, because that's so fucking boring. <laughs> I agree. I, I don't want to see their stupid boat parade. I don't want to see them drop the goddamn Stanley Cup again. Like, I don't want it. I would be so happy with mountains in the background, with whatever Colorado will do. Yeah. Just something a moose somewhere you know how we always ask people what they would eat out of the stanley cup yes let's get nathan mckinnon on so he can say kale which is just so sad it's just one big kale salad it is so sad but i i think it's pretty safe to say that this is a podcast that's kind of rooting for the abs yes yeah 100 safe to say um Mm -hmm. former blue jackets on that squad got a couple and ryan murray and jack johnson Yes. There might even be others. I actually don't know. I'm saying that with a lot of confidence, but I actually think they might be the only two. It was for a minute Ian Cole, but he played yes. the final now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to say that it is, but I'm going to look at this while I'm uh, telling you this next point. Uh, next season, there will be an additional former Blue Jacket on that roster because Lucas Sedlak. Coming back to America. Nedzy Cat is back, and he's going to be playing for the Colorado Avalanche. So that is a fascinating little twist and turn for for the Avalanche for next year. And in terms of the former Blue Jacket, who's been really successful in the KHL, like he's played really well. And so it was only a matter of time until this happened. I think in the back of my head I was hopeful that maybe (laughs) maybe it'd be with the Blue Jackets. But, I mean, that was honestly probably never going to happen again. We've talked about it on this show before that it just feels like the Blue Jackets are kind of just like in that position, like so de- deep, like in the yeah. like bottom six. Like it just doesn't make sense. But nevertheless, I am personally sad about it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm happy he has played really, really well yeah. since he's went back over to play in the KHL. And I'm glad that he's getting a second shot at playing at, at the NHL level. So as disappointed as i am um it will be nice to see how he does in colorado so and hopefully he gets like some real opportunity there um and can can give it another go at the nhl level no without a doubt so we're pulling for him here um still looking to see if we if i was correct about it only being um those two for the avalanche and it looks like my signal hates me. And so it's not loading very fast. So we can move on from there. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the series. I just, man, I don't know. Like you said, it's just boring. It's boring. It's boring. It's boring. Um, so moving on then, not boring. <laughs> the Blue Jackets decided like to make all of these, like, I don't want to call them like little moves. Like Laura and I had had a conversation that like during this break, if X, Y, or Z thing happened, we would like f- record an episode. We were like, mm-hmm. Patrick Line contract, we're gonna record an episode. 
any random trade, we're going to record an episode. Like, things like that, we were like, we're recording an episode for. Uh, we didn't have Jack Rosovic signing a, a deal on our list of things that we were going to record an episode for, which after the fact, I was like, damn, that kind of feels like a little shady. <laughs> but um, yeah, Jack Rosovic last week signed a two-year extension with the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, you know, at, at $4 million a year, I believe it was, right, Laura? I'm yeah. that up. Yep. Four million a year. Yeah, four million a year, um, which I think is is totally cool for the team in terms of like the money over the over the course of the year. I told you though, like, and I like I stand by this conviction. Like, I always get nervous, and this might just be like the PTSD talking of being a Blue Jackets fan. I shouldn't even say that because that's not funny. But like, it, it kind of is just like it, it's happened to us before, where we let people walk up to free agency and then we don't do anything about it. So. Um, Jack Rosovic will either be getting a pretty sizable extension in two years or he will be traded at the trade deadline because I don't think Yarmo is going to do that to himself again. But, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the term length. We'll see how it goes. But all in all, I'm happy that this is done and it's not something that we have to worry about in the offseason. Yeah, I agree. I was happy to see a decision. Obviously, it would have been a little bit more big news if if we had gotten like a Patrick signing um, over this break, but I think Jack, um, I think towards the end, like we've talked about and we will talk about um, in the series that we're doing, but like I think he is starting to find his his rhythm. It's taken quite a bit of time, but I'm never going to be upset about a Columbus born and raised player being on this team and I think that Jack has a lot of love for this team and the organization so I do I am apprehensive about the fact that we're taking him up to free agency because like Jeremy said we have been burned in the past cough cough Seth Jones cough cough Artemi Panarin like Sergei Borowski like name whoever like we have been burned in the past and but I think if this next year, like this next season is going to be really telling because if Jack has a really good season and plays really well and works well in Lars's system, then I feel confident that he would be willing to sign a pretty decent new contract um, with the Blue Jackets because this is home. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think, We've talked about it in the past about how like playing at home can maybe like sour your perspective. And I honestly would be lying to you if I said that I didn't feel like at the beginning of this season, it was kind of going down that path of like souring your hometown team and like kind of just like once you find out how the sausage is made, sometimes it's just not as exciting. And that mm-hmm. to me was something I felt might be happening to Jack. But the way he finished the season, like it's it's an honest conversation to have about whether or not he's the first or second line center to start the season. Like, I think that there's a legitimate question to be asked there between him, Boone and Cole Sillinger about where those three line up. Does Boone move back over to the wing? Maybe like, does Boone stay at center? It feels like Boone always stays at center whenever we have this conversation. So like, I'm not really going to rule him out at center, but all in all, I think it's a really good, it's good value for the team. I again, just hope that he doesn't hurt me the way that others have hurt me before, but He's not the only one, Laura. He's not the only one committing to the Columbus Blue Jackets over the course of the next year or two because a couple of other signings happening since we last recorded. The first – well, actually, the first of all of these being 
Jonas Corpusalo signing a one-year contract extension, something that I believe it's one nine is the is the total on that one point nine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jonas Corpusalo, obviously, as we all know, injured at the end of the season last year. Uh, you know, obviously going to be a decent amount of time recovering from a hip surgery that has him sidelined, similar to the one that Daniil Tarasov had. So it was going to be hard for him to find an NHL contract to like just period like it, this off season. I think this is kind of a you scratch. What? No, nope. <laughs> Whatever the saying is about scratching backs. You scratch way. our backs, we'll scratch yours. <laughs> and I think it's that, right? Like Corpy is obviously like he has time served for the with the Blue Jackets. He still deserves a chance to prove himself. I think, like whether that's as a, a bona fide backup or as a starter in this league, I like that we're going to bring him on for another year, going to let him do what he needs to do to recover, and then we're maybe going to let him back up more regularly for Elvis, and we're just going to see how that goes. And and maybe that means that come the trade deadline or next off season, there will be teams that are really interested in the services of Giannis Corbisalo. Yeah, absolutely. I was really happy to see that they came to an agreement, um, mainly because Corpy has done so much for the or- like within the organization, like and for the team. I mean, he was just so important when we were playing in the bubble, and you know, he's had a rough couple of seasons, and this whole tandem to number one sort of situation has also been really hard on both him and Elvis. And this kind of injury that he suffered, like it takes a lot of time to return from it and recover. And like Jeremy said, he was going to miss out on an opportunity to more than likely to sign with another team. So I think it speaks a lot to the high standard and the, relationship that he has with the team that they want him to have the opportunity to fully recover they want him to have the opportunity to prove that whether it be for us or for another team that he is still a high level goaltender so I think when I mapped it out before he's projected to be sort of back to things either right at the start of training camp or slightly afterwards. It's about a six month recovery process for this um, hip surgery. Daniil Tarasov should be good to go um, either a little bit later or a little bit before. I can't remember when they announced that he was going in for surgery, but um, so we'll have two goaltenders sort of coming in with, you know, rehabbing and working through recovery um, on this same surgery. Yeah, and so we'll see how that one ends up. Obviously, we're, this again, a pro Jonas Corbisalo podcast. So we're rooting for him. We're hoping that this works out for him and the team. So we're really looking forward to seeing how that materializes. Then we move on to a little bit of a curveball. At least it was for me. And that was that the Blue Jackets signed Marcus Bjork, uh, a defenseman, uh, you know, somebody who, I, man, I, I don't know. It just feels like one of those, like, I feel like in the last couple of seasons, and, and we'll have another instance of this here shortly, I just feel like we sign these guys out of out of Europe and I, thinking, like, Jacob Lilia, I'm thinking Mikhail Gagarinko, I'm thinking, like, those players. And it's just like, a, we'll see what happens. And it's never really a bad thing. Like, it never really ends up being, like, terrible for us. So Marcus Bjork has played – a significant amount of games in the Swedish league. Um, he's got, uh, I don't know, butcher this team name. <laughs> he played for Brynäs 
IF Goblin. Like, no, like, I don't even know why I tried, right? <laughs> but he played in 52 games this season, had three goals, 12 assists. So he's not a player, right, that I like think is necessarily going to be a game breaker for the Blue Jackets. I this is more of the question though, like when we talk about, you know, one of the other bits of news is that I think we might have mentioned it on the show. I can't remember when this happened, but Dean Kukin is is out of town. He's signed to to go back over to Europe too. And so I guess like that's like kind of like the area in which I could see him playing, like that like six, seven, eight, like but it's just it's hard, right? Because of the additions of Nick Blankenberg and you know the potential of players like Corson Coolmans. He won't play on the team this year, but like he's coming, right? And then you've got it just feels like this team is like I don't want to say too deep on defense because like I don't think that's the right way to describe it. It just feels like there's a lot of people who are poised to be in the same ish kind of position, and that to me is confusing. <laughs> yeah, there's like. Much I think that we find ourselves with our, in our forward situation is like there's just too many people floating around these same spots. And it's like, I know you want to have a couple, you know, in the wings for injuries and obviously still with COVID because COVID is real and it's still here. So, um, but it it just seems like too many people. So... We'll see. We will. We absolutely will. And we're pro anybody whose last name starts with Bjork. So, like, we're big fans. More on that later. Because this is the episode that we're going to talk about uh, all over Bjork's name. So, stay tuned. But uh, another (laughs) signing was that of, um, okay, I practiced before the show. I practiced before the show. I hope this goes well. Yuna Luoto. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Yuna Luoto signed from the Finnish League um, and last season played in Tempare. Uh, he had nine goals, five assists, 14 points in 27 games played. He's previously played in the NHL. He played for the Winnipeg Jets in 1920, uh, played 16 games, didn't register a point, unfortunately, but uh, has also had a little bit of success in the AHL. In the 29 games he's played in the AHL, he's registered eight eight points, two goals, uh, making up those eight points. Uh, and you uh, you have a little bit of an interesting thought, or you want you have something to offer to the commentary? Yes. So again, this was another one of those signings that came about where we were like, okay, doesn't really <laughs> make a ton of sense, but like whatever, trust Yarmo. Um, but there's rumor that one of the reasons why we signed this specific player is because he and Patrick Laine are very good friends. Um, they obviously both played together in Finland, but they also played in Winnipeg um, and they have a lot of history together. So the rumor is that, um, that they want to add this piece to, I don't want to say incentivize because like I've said, and he's said it a million times, I don't think that Patrick he has no problem staying in Columbus. He's very happy to stay in Columbus. But I think that this is another nice incentive to have someone that he's so close with and is very familiar with to be on the team with him and give him another like level of of comfort in this in this circumstance, especially if we're going to sign him long term and he's going to be in Columbus for a while. So but that's the rumor. Who knows? Well, I think more than anything, like like everything you said is 100% true. And then on top of it, it's like, uh, you want to know how committed we are to you, Patrick? 
We're going to sign your buddy. We're going to tell you that we have, we trust you. We trust your insight. You're a part of this. And we want you to be a part of this for a long time. Like, it's like both like the comfortability and the familiarity, but then also it's the, you have power here. Like you have a little bit of power here. You know, let, let's see, see how this goes. And I can really appreciate that. I'm all about it. That's something that if that is really what's written in the tea leaves, I love the signing. We also all know that you know, like that Yarmo Kekalainen is very pro Finland for obvious reasons. I mean, I think the honest to God truth is like let's get as many Finns on this team before <laughs> the game in Finland next year as humanly possible. It kind of feels that way. Yeah, especially if we are potentially going up against the reigning Stanley Cup champions. So we'll want as many of the Finnish fans on our side um, as we can get for those two games. So, um, but yeah, it was, it's an interesting choice, but it'll be fun to see how it all plays out. Um, Yeah. That just makes things continue to be weird and complicated, but that's what training camp is for. To weed out the the weird and complicated. That's very true. And Laura, do you know what's not weird and complicated? What? Betting on DraftKings. See, I should have known that. This is how rusty I am. <laughs> I've been recording so long. That is true. Um, but hockey fans, you all know it. The pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And Laura, this is the part of the show where I get to turn the keys over to you. You're going to lead us through the continuation of our mini series slash our actual series of our player reviews. We wanted to get some of that news and some of that goodness out of the way here at the start of the show. And that's kind of the format you can expect for the rest of our episodes here over the course of the next few weeks. We've got, uh, I believe, three weeks, including this one, left of, of player review. So get excited for that. But we'll be bringing you the latest news and updates, hopefully like a Patrick Line signing, uh, coming up. So you won't want to miss that. But Laura, you have the honor of introducing us to our first player that we're reviewing today. And I believe that's none other than who else? Oliver Bjorkstrand. Amen. So yes, the return of my notes for everyone to see. They're so good. I'm actually kind of like the last few we actually recorded together, so I could use them as a cheat sheet. I'm lost now. Like I am like a like I am absolutely lost my way. My Sherpa is not with me anymore. I'm I'm nervous. Well, I'm happy to provide um, this a rare rare moment of my Type A personality being on point. Um, but yes, so our first player for this episode is number 28, Oliver Bjorkstrand. Um, he is 27 years old. Um, he played 80 games. He was so close to playing every single game this season, but he definitely got hit with COVID. Um, and I think it was around 
when we took an, the break around Christmas. So I don't think he missed as many games as we thought he may have. But um, so 80 games played. He had 28 goals, 29 assists. Um, so for 57 points overall, um, he does have quite a big uh, number on the plus and minus. He's negative 35. Um, Jesus. <laughs> So it was oh kind, of big, kind of kind of big. Um, and then he had 16 penalty minutes for the season. Um, 35? Yeah, that's what it said. I mean, I'll double check, but. No, I believe you. I mean, to be fair, we did be getting scored on a lot. Like, that's just like I wild. Mean, again, me. we, we've said it, I think, in every single episode. But this team managed to both score the most goals in franchise history and get scored on the most um in franchise history yeah minus minus 35 get you a man that can do both damn yeah so um yeah this was it was oliver's career highest in goals though so this is the most goals he's ever scored in a season um and it was a big year for him in general because he got to take on a new leadership role, um, which we definitely knew was a possibility with the departure of Nick Foligno and Cam Atkinson and Seth Jones, that the leadership core was going to go through a big, you know, change up and turn of events. And he is sharing that duty with, um, I almost called him Riley Nash. That is not correct. Gus Nyquist. I just had to admit my minor brain malfunction, but so he is sharing the A um, with Gus Nyquist and I've said it a lot over this season, but Oliver, like for as up and down as he can be as a player, I definitely think he takes pride in how he leads by example that like, he's not afraid to show when he's frustrated, but he's not, he's also not afraid to like put that frustration in perspective, which I think is really important. Cause I think sometimes when players get frustrated, they put everything else out of the way and they like, just don't care about other people, other people and like the other parts of the team. But Oliver still like keeps that at the forefront of his mind, even if he's maybe not playing at the level that he wants to. So it was a roller coaster, but also a like really great season for Oliver. So. Well, and what's interesting about Oliver too is like we always talk about as Blue Jackets fans, I think collectively, that we think Oliver Bjorkstrand might be one of the most underrated players in the NHL. And when you look at the I'm gonna do it analytics, uh, it kind of backs up what we're saying, right? Like when we even at being minus thirty five, like that tends to be more of a commentary on the team's performance than it does on his performance because uh, he's one of the best. He is in the 92nd percentile of players in even strength defense. Like, so he like is actually like up there as one of the best players in the league uh, defensively, especially as far as forwards are concerned. He's actually 92nd just like, or in the 92nd percentile total in, mm-hmm. in, and this is all courtesy of J fresh hockey. Uh, over the last three years. I mean, he is without a doubt one of the best assets that this team has at probably the best value that this team has. And even though I think we're both wrong about our projection that we'll talk about in a second, 
uh, I think you still like are happy with with where things end up for Oliver, and I think you're still excited about what's to come. I mean, he's a player that kind of I see I think sometimes like suffers from being adaptable. Does that make sense? Like I feel like he yeah. gets put in positions all the time that might not necessarily like allow him to be the best that he can be personally, but it makes the Blue Jackets the best that they can be. And his willingness to do that, I think, agree. I agree with you. Speaks to him as a leader, doing it by example. Uh, and so, you know what time it is. It's the favorite time of the show where you get to hear how Laura and I were wrong. So check out our projections from back in February. Moving on then, third place currently uh, with 28 points, number 28 himself, Oliver Bjorkstrand. Who else? Oliver! Who else? But Ali Ali Oxenfree. Uh, he's, uh, again, 28 points, 12, 16, 28. Uh, looking at 11, 15, and 26. What say you for the rest of this season? Oh, I love Oliver so much, but he has been so hot and cold this season and I uh, I just don't know with with what with what we're projected to do see it's easier with the younger guys because like younger guys and like some of these other players like you know are gonna get those moments where it's like with Oliver like if if being a new team leader and like he's gonna hold a lot of this I think on his shoulders. And I'm afraid that that's going to affect his his play. Um, but he's also like such a, a quiet, like quiet player that earns his points. Oh, initially I was going to say lower. Ooh. You can laugh at me when I'm wrong. I'm going to stick with lower. I love Oliver so much, but I just... I worry about what the rest of the season will do to our sweet, sweet Oliver. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. And I mean, I think and I appreciate your willingness to let me laugh at you when you're wrong. Because uh, <laughs> I am I am going to hit the higher button. Um, I do. I think he's going to he's gonna be a – he will probably be the team's leading scorer when this is all said and done. I think. I think that's my like bold prediction um, out of these guys. And there will be more of that where that came from. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Laura, what is your final grade for Oliver Bjork's fan this season? I'm going to give him a B plus. Yeah. I think, I mean – he did struggle. I have in my notes, like he did struggle with consistency. He had really long spells yeah. where he, it, he just wasn't on his game, whether it be for these situations where because of all the like injuries and COVID that we had, Oliver had to go to lines that weren't necessarily lines that were there for him to be the most productive member of them. Um, and I think he shares in that, situation a little bit like similarly with Boone Jenner like they both have that sort of mentality where they go where they're needed but they're not necessarily there to shine in those moments so um but you know like I said he had a career high in goals which is awesome I think we are just inching closer and closer to like the prime moments of Oliver Bjorkstrand and I really think we have a lot of potential to see that in this upcoming season 
Um, but I think just the long stretches of inconsistent play, even though this was his technically career best season, like I just not quite there yet. So B plus from me. And I'm going to go with a B for similar reasons, uh, other than the fact that his name starts with a B. Uh, I just feel like he, generally speaking, the inconsistencies, I think, are something he's really going to want to work on. Again, I think that's partially due to his ever-changing role with the team. But at the end of the day, hoping that that just materializes into really just like being able to be the most versatile player on this roster and being able to score wherever he gets put. I think, obviously, in some situations it's harder to score than in others, but I think he finds a way after a while, and so I'm hoping that that is the reality of the future for Mr. Oliver Bjorkstrand and a player that we all are very anticipated to know what the future is uh, for this player. And, like, Laura, I'll throw it to you. Who could I possibly be talking about when I'm talking about, well, what's ever to come of the future? <laughs> oh, only what's going to be the hottest hockey goss of the offseason, and that is Mr. Patrick Line and his future with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, so yes, next player up in our review is number 29, Patrick Line. He is 24 years old. Um, he had 56 or he played 56 games this season. He had 26 goals, 30 assists, which equated to 56 points. So he is a point per game player. Um, and he had a negative seven on the plus and minus. So definitely not anywhere near Oliver's. Um, and he had 24 penalty minutes on the season. Yeah. So a, a pretty big season for Patrick. I think at the start of the season was doing pretty well, gets injured. I think everybody rightly had questions about whether or not that was going to affect the good start to the season and for a couple of games, it did. Like, when he came back from injury, he wasn't, like, right away, like, putting things away, if I remember right. Like, there was a little bit of a time where he had to ease back into it. And this is also on top of dealing with the personal grief and tragedy of losing a parent. And so a lot of change for Patrick. And he manages to find his rhythm. I mean, just, like, goal after goal after goal. It almost felt like it was a comedy act how often he was scoring how big of goals he was scoring like for this team during that stretch. He ends up being this team's only point per game player. And, and it's not even really close. Like when you look at points per game across the board, across the rest of the roster, I mean, it's pretty, I don't want to say bleak, but I mean, it is very, you, he sets himself apart. And I think that for him, that is exactly what he needed this season after a season that was pretty, and in some cases, rightfully so, pretty full of some harsh criticism and some really big questions. And, you know, at the end of the day, we enter this off season, he is a, a restricted free agent, but he has reassured us and he has assured, reassured all Blue Jackets fans as best as humanly possible that Columbus is a place that he wants to be. Got to feel good about that without a doubt. But you know what we don't have to feel good about? What? Our projections. Yeah, let's hear those now. Yeah, take a listen. All right, so <laughs> Patrick Laine, another player who could potentially see himself moved at the deadline. It feels like that's probably more of an offseason move, in my opinion, than it is. I'm going to be so disappointed in Yarbo if he gets rid of Patrick Laine at the deadline. Wow. 
still I just think we worked we worked so hard to get him to be a blue jacket. And we've done so many things in order to accommodate Mr. Line. And I mean it's worked. It, it it's worked the accommodation it has. because of all the players on this list, Patrick Line has the highest second half of the season projections um on the team. He's got um, so obviously 10, 11, and 21 in 24 games played. That's why, right? Like he's only played 24 games, but he's got 21 points. I mean, he's, he's not, he's not playing poorly at all. Um, and, and I'm so, definitely staying higher for him. I have. Okay. You know, look at you. I haven't even said the number yet. And you're like higher. <laughs> Go ahead. Say his number. So um, his number is 29. Laura, have you not been paying attention to, to the hockey? Um, so. Yeah, I mean he's uh, he's somebody who is looking to go 16, 18, and 34 uh, in in his last few. Which 29 assists? I mean that would I'm not certain. I'm gonna look. I feel like that would be a career record for him because he's not the guy who usually sets people up. So that number I think could be lower. But I yeah, I'm higher too. And that's the other thing too. I'm gonna go on a bit of a Patrick Line rant about how. I will be mad if Yarmo trades him away at the deadline. Um, I think as much as it's been a roller coaster and as much as I've had um, complicated feelings about Patrick Laine, I think in the scheme of his career, kind of regardless of how long he's a blue jacket, I think he's going to look back and see the time that he spent as a blue jacket and see that it made him a more well-rounded and stronger player overall. Because, yes, you want a Patrick Line on your team because he has a fucking killer shot. A shot that could literally decapitate goalies at the right angle. Like, that breaks bones. You know, just like it is an insane shot. But there's very specific things that need to happen in order for that shot to get set up. And I think before when Patrick was in Winnipeg, Winnipeg was better suited to provide him with those opportunities on a more consistent basis. Whereas when he came to Columbus, first of all, he, you know, was here with Torts and Torts had a very unique coaching style. But when he came to Columbus, he was coming to a team that plays as an entire team. Even now under Lars's direction, like they play as a whole team and I think for someone like Patrick, he wasn't used to that. But now, as once he came back from his injury and, of course, needing to have time away to mourn his father, like, I've really seen him pick up more of these and really strengthen a lot more of these skills that make him a more well-rounded hockey player. Like, yeah. yes, there, there are moments where it's, like, frustrating because you're like, Patrick, really? <laughs> like, yeah. I know what you were trying to do, but that's not what what happened. Um, and so I think, like, again, regardless of how long he's a Blue Jacket, I think over the course of his career, we are going to have played a very pivotal role in who he is as a player and his playing style. And so that's why I am now on the train of I'm not willing, I'm not ready yet to give that over to somebody else. Yeah. So I I also want to apologize. He had 35 points in I think his third season or 35 assists. So 29 would not be a 
uh, career record. It would be him. close, and in a, in a yeah. season where he was out for two months. That's yeah, that's a fair point. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm sure he played far more games in that season than he didn't is going to in this year. Um, so my apologies yeah, I mean, for the Patrick rant, but I'm never going to make you apologize for that. <laughs> this is growth. <laughs> I'm never gonna make you say sorry. Okay, so I, I think we were probably both right about this, but I can't. I think we were. I think we were. I think we just like did a little bait and switch with the listeners. Yes. Um. So this is actually probably the one that we are right about out of all the players that we're gonna talk about uh, today. But you know, I going back to everything. If you've listened to this show, you know that I was not the biggest fan of Patrick Line coming into this season. I <laughs> there's actually a very I own a t-shirt now because I made a bet with Jeremy um, regarding Patrick Line. Um, and you know, he and I think for a lot of Blue Jackets fans, like I think in this season we finally got um the Patrick Line that we had been expecting um this like incredible powerhouse you know goal after goal after goal like literally making up for the nearly 30 games that he missed um due to his injury and his the death of his father like literally just like was like i'm gonna make up for this lost time like here we are um and he just, I think Columbus is good for him. I've said it, I said it before. Um, I think uh, that the way that this organization chose to let him take the time to deal with the loss of his father and would have been totally fine if he just said, I need to not play the rest of the season. Like, um, and I think the support that he got and the way that he was welcomed back to the team, I mean, he's even said himself that like his teammates were a big reason why he did have this like new level of confidence coming back. Um, and so I just think that that, that it's a mutually beneficial relationship right now between Patrick and the Columbus Blue Jackets. So I'm going to give him the grade of an A minus for the season. So for his, you know, his strength and his overcoming all these obstacles um, for proving to himself, mostly proving to himself, I think is the biggest thing. I don't care. Like it's not important that he proves to anyone else, but himself that he is the caliber of player Um that he wants to be and that he is anticipated to be. So I'm, and I'm excited to see what it looks like hopefully for a long time with Patrick and Columbus. So a minus from me. That makes two of us for a long time. Emphasis on that phrase. Um, yeah. I think for me, I also go in the a range. I think I'm going to keep the the minus away from it, but I, I just think that it was just such a good year for him. I mean, it was a good year for the fact that he, found a way to get through the challenges that the year presented to him. It was a good year for him in the sense that he was able to kind of change the narrative a little bit about his time in Columbus. I'm looking at, you know, all love to you, but I'm looking at like folks like you who might've been like a little bit more critical 
rightfully so, at the start of his tenure in Columbus, and he found a way to kind of change that. And I don't think you're the only person who who experienced that kind of a, a shift in your feelings about Patrick. And I think about the affirmation and the love for Columbus. I mean, I, all in all, I think it's exactly what he needed. I think it's exactly what the fifth line needed from him. And I think for that reason, it's a really easy A for me. Uh, the next player is a player that I know if I'm doing my math right. Oh, God, am I doing my math right? Is it a player who didn't play a lot? Correct. Oh, okay, I'm doing my math right. Laura, talk to us about our next player in our review series. Yes, our next player is number 32, Jake Christensen. Um, he did not play a ton of games, but we thought it um, notable to talk about him, at least briefly, um, because he did make his NHL debut as a Columbus Blue Jacket. Um, but Jake is 22 years old. Uh, he ha- played eight games for the Blue Jackets, uh, which resulted in one goal, zero assists, um, which equates to one point. Um, he was plus one on the plus and minus, um, and he served zero penalty minutes. So, um, like I said, I think we wanted to make note of the fact that he did, you know, make his debut with the Blue Jackets. Um, he is sort of one of those defensemen that, like, people talk about potentially having, like, a pr- like could make an impact on the team going forward. Um, he's still very much so green in that area. Like I definitely think he would benefit from more time um, playing in Cleveland. Uh, but he's definitely someone that I think we need to like keep our eyes on. Um, and for, you know, for an eight game showing for playing for, you know, coming in and subbing in when uh, we really needed him uh, due to injury and to COVID, like, especially towards the end of the season, like, I think that that just, it gave us a little bit of a glimpse, but we definitely wanted to make note um, of just his debut and what could possibly be to come. Yeah, and I think when I look at players like Jay Christensen and being players that are challenging for a spot in the Blue Jackets lineup, he's somebody that I think isn't that far. I mean, like he was, I, I raved about in his during his time in the AHL, he had an outstanding season in Cleveland. And while it might not necessarily have translated into success at the NHL level, I think you're exactly right. I think it's a matter of how can we get this player more experienced in Cleveland to get him ready for being a really important piece on this blue line. It's just, it goes back to what we talked about earlier in the, in the episode where we were talking about, you know, acquisitions and, and signings is it's like this blue line is strange a little bit because it's got a lot of really, really young players that could develop. They all could develop into something good. They all like, it could be 50, 50 or like they all could just like not develop <laughs> NHL player. Like all of those are possible. And I think that that's a really peculiar place to be in. I think Jake Christensen shows promise. He's a player that while, the league and while you know but all the countries were trying to figure out what the olympics looked like and like who could come and who couldn't like he's a player that was on team canada's radar as somebody that they might be able to bring and obviously they couldn't because he was on an nhl contract but you know that's high praise for the kid and i'm hopeful that that continues to translate into success with the blue jackets laura i know that we haven't done this but what if we have a truce uh-huh. What if we both agree to give him an incomplete? Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay, great. Absolutely. Love that. 
love that. I like. I don't think either one of us have fully. But I, like, I think I kind of gave Kent Johnson an incomplete, but then I was like, no, actually, like he has a grade. But I feel like we both can shake hands on this being an incomplete. <laughs> for listeners, we should actually probably clip that. For listeners, we just did a virtual, virtual handshake. Um, so yeah, no, I can definitely agree with giving him an incomplete. We did not see enough of him to really, but we, like I said, for the millionth time, we did think it notable because he did make his debut and because he had such a great season in Cleveland, which is why he got the opportunity in with the big club. So, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what is in store for Jake Christensen. Without a doubt. And Laura, I'm going to throw it to you to introduce everybody's favorite, no longer 18 year old, 18 year old. I know. I can't say my favorite thing about him anymore, but, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next one is number 34, um, Cole Sillinger. Um, as we, for all of the season, although he did have a birthday, um, Cole, uh, and when I took my notes, he was still 18, but Cole was 19 years old. Um, he played 79 games for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, which resulted in 16 goals, 15 assists, 15 assists, uh, 31 points on the season. He was negative 22 on the plus and minus, and he had 37 penalty minutes um, on the season. And for his rookie year, for being the only person from the first round of last summer's draft to play the whole season in the NHL, for being the youngest person in the NHL for all the times that everyone just said, did you know he's 18 years old? Um, I think Cole Sillinger had a pretty impressive uh, rookie season and he should be really proud um, of everything that he accomplished. Um, you know, and Cole, like, I see a lot of potential with Cole. And I think that we've talked about it before that like, I think that the organization sees a lot of potential with Cole and I, I couldn't be happier with how his rookie season went. So how do you feel, Jeremy? Yeah. I mean, I think all the things you said and more, right? Like a lot of what we got out of Cole Cylinder this year felt like we were playing on house money, right? Like it didn't feel like he wasn't a player that we needed. I think at least we didn't go into the season thinking we needed him. I feel differently now, but it's like if he would have played in Cleveland this year or no, excuse me, if you would have been playing in the juniors this year, that's fine. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been devastated by that at the start of the season. I think obviously it's exciting to have young players make your roster. And I think that says a lot about the future of the organization, but it wouldn't have broke my heart. Now, now that you ask me about my feelings about Cole Sillinger, I'd say he brought a lot to this team that we didn't necessarily know he needed. And especially toward the end of the year, right? Like, I mean, like similar to Jack Rostovic, it felt like he ended the season in such a good place. Uh, it felt like Cole Sillinger was always scoring goals when the Blue Jackets would win. It felt like Cole, I mean, the fact that he's 18, right? Like, or 19, God damn it. Um, <laughs> it's wild. And I think I say that specifically as somebody who works with folks who are 18 to 22 years old, like regularly, like, as a, I get paid to do that, and he does not put me in mind of any of the students that I work with. And that's no disrespect to the students I work with. It's just like it just feels wild to me that he's only 19 
and he has that perspective on life and he has that leadership ability and he has that like it just he's born with it like maybe it's maybe it's maybelline like i don't know like it's just it's wild to me and so for him i just have nothing but praises to sing for him uh and uh you know honestly laura i don't remember what i said about cole in this episode so um or in, in our episode in february so let's find out together shall we Sounds great. Then we go on to rookie Cole Sillinger, who has had seven goals, eight assists, and 15 points in his first NHL season. Uh, actually, because he played 40 games, it's it's identical. It's 7, 8, and 15, um, rounding up a little bit there, of course. But, uh, yeah, it's looking like 7, 8, and 15 for, for Cole, which would put him at 30 points in his first NHL season, which would be nothing to, uh, you know, no, nothing to be ashamed of. So is that number higher or lower? Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, like, not to repeat you, but, like, 30 points for your debut season in the NHL and as the youngest player in the NHL, um, I mean, I definitely, because I want, again, I swear I have players that I'm going to say lower on, but, like, Cole, like, Cole has really been improving, like, gradually every single game Cole improves and so I really think that and again given these things like if older veteran players get injured um you know him getting to have these like bigger moments him finding rhythm you know with uh Chinny like and some of the other people that he's played with like I really think the possibilities are endless for him right now so I'm definitely gonna say higher but if it stays where it's at that is still such an impressive debut season and he should be very proud of himself regardless oh without a doubt i think you know if anybody would have told you when we drafted him that he would have 30 points in his first like not only in his first nhl season i don't think that that would have been too shocking but 30 points in his draft year i think you would take that every time i really do and so for the Jackets to have that and for him to have played the way he has, that's a huge win. It's going to be lower. I, I My thing is, if this team's confidence starts to starts to dwell or starts to like fall off, I think that's going to be a real problem for some of these younger guys. And so I'm a little bit nervous about that, um, to be honest with you. And so I, I tend to say that – that that's not going to be um, be the case for him. But again, I've been wrong before. I'm happy to be wrong again. I still don't know what I said. I still don't know what I said. So I'm just going to say that sounded good. Yeah, we're going to find out with everyone else when we <laughs> listen back to the episode. <laughs> I literally have like our golden boy written in my notes because, you know, he just, like you said, continuously impressed with just how mature and sort of grounded Cole Sillinger is as a player who is so young, but he is a legacy player. His dad um, played, I think, 13 seasons in the NHL. Um, He was a Columbus Blue Jacket for a time. Cole was actually, even though he's Canadian, he was born in Columbus. Um, Didn't live here for very long, but was born here. So, um, but yeah, so he just, I'm going to ramble about him for forever. So let's give him some grades. Um, (laughs) 
I'm going to give him an A for his rookie season. So uh, he made it almost the entire season. Um, He did get COVID. So that knocked him out a few games. Um, But I think when you're looking at it and you're looking at his stats and like, you're looking at what we, you know, I don't, I don't know that like Jeremy said, like we didn't necessarily like need him to play this season. Like, we want, I think we 100% kind of anticipated that he would just, he'd go through camp, but then we'd release him back to his juniors and let him have another year before he came up to the, the big club. But, you know, he's a determined kid and like he worked his ass off in training camp and proved and with through his first 10 games on the, I think, or is it nine that they can play before they send them back? Yeah, they. I think they can play nine, and the 10th game solidifies it. Yeah, so, I mean, he, up until, I think they told him, like, after his eighth game that he was going to stay um, up with the team. So he was having to prove himself all the way up through then, and he did that and more. So I am going to give him an A for his rookie season. Yeah, I mean – it's hard to disagree with you. I think you have to give him in the A category. I might lean more like A minus. No, that's actually not fair. I'm going to go A. <laughs> I, it's just one of those things where like he just did everything that we didn't expect him to do. And I think that that is so reassuring Like in this period of time where, again, like we are, we are rolling a lot of dice on a lot of players. I mean, you think about the players that were putting a lot of, like, value in before they – like, I'm thinking, like, Kuro Marchenko. Like, everybody here is like, oh, he's going to be great. Like, he might not be. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and when you're playing with that kind of, like, risk, anytime it kind of ca- – you can cash in on it like we can with Cole, I feel really great about it. So give me an A on Cole. Um, Laura, we've been at this for a little bit over an hour, so the folks – they've got to be really excited about the last two players that we have. And honestly, like, let me preface this by saying these last two players kind of feel weird to talk about their season. Cause in some ways I feel like we already have because seasons both have been over for an extended period of time. One obviously longer than the other, but um, fill us in on this guy who like, is like, I think the captain of this team. (laughs) Oh, you know, just a little, a little number 38 um, in O'Captain, our captain, Mr. Boone Jenner. Uh, you could call him, I, you know, I think Mr. CBJ himself since Captain Boone Jenner. I may have a shirt that says that, that I wear frequently. You do, you do have that, yeah. Um, and it was horrendously expensive, but worth every penny. Um, but yeah, so next up is number 38, our captain, Boone Jenner. He is 28 years old. That's right. 28 years old, captain in the NHL for the, his, the, his very first year, uh, taking over after the departure of Nick Foligno. Um, Boone played 59 games for the club, had 23 goals, 21 assists, which equates to 44 points on the season. Um, he was negative 11 on the plus and minus and had 22 penalty minutes. So good season for the guy, right? I mean, like, I think the most disappointing part is that he did get hurt and he wasn't able to to have another 30-goal season. I mean, he was well on track for it. And I think we've said a lot about what we need to say about Boone on the show at some point or another. And that's just that he filled into this role, like 
no other. I mean, like even, and I don't know if it was fair at the time, but John Tortorella, like when Nick Felino was the captain, was like, I don't know if this guy's our captain. Like, I don't know if this guy is the guy who's leading this team. And I don't, I haven't felt that way about Boone for a single second. Now, to be fair, I don't know that I felt that way about Nick either. I think John Tortorella might've been on his own bullshit, but that's beside the point. And so when I think about his play this season, and again, it kind of goes back to what we said earlier, where like this season was supposed to be the one that like, oh, maybe Boone's going to navigate away from the wing. And it's like, no, he's not. <laughs> like, uh, and I mean, like he, he does what he's supposed to do so well that it's so hard to take him out of those situations. And it's really easy to lean on him in moments where things are tough. And the Blue Jackets did that a lot. I mean, especially early in the season when they were winning pretty frequently, Boone Jenner was always at the top of the score sheet. He was always having really killer games. He was always a difference maker for the team. Boone had a really great season, and I'm devastated. In the same way that Boone and Lars were – that he wasn't able to finish this season. Like that is a real injustice to Blue Jackets fans and really honestly to Boone Jenner. Like that is a real shit show for him. Uh, and so I couldn't, I mean, I'm similar. I could ramble for, about Boone Jenner for hours. So I'll throw it to the other person that could ramble about Boone Jenner for hours. And Laura, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I 100% agree with everything you said. This was a, I mean, if he had not been sidelined with this injury, um, this would have been, I think, Boone's career best season. Like he was such, not even just as the captain, like as a player himself, like he worked his tail off every single game that he was on the ice. And not only for himself and his, for his own personal, like um, goals and stats, but like he did so much to make sure that the team was performing at its best when he was on the ice and like encouraging when he was on the bench, like all these sorts of things. And I think like you said it, and what, what really sucks about the injury is that the blue jackets were kind of in their like second wave of like kind of doing good, like when Boone got injured. And so it was so difficult for him to have to make that decision that he could no longer, because he was playing injured for a really long time. And, you know, Lars has talked about it and he talked about it, but like, I mean, he came to Lars in tears telling him that he, it was, it was just too painful. He could no longer play through the injury and it just broke his heart. Like it just broke his heart that he couldn't be there out on the ice with his team um, and, you know, we never, we knew we were never gonna like, regardless if he had stayed at, we never would have made it into the playoffs. But like, I think that the last stretch of the season where he wasn't playing, it was a very noticeable missing piece. Um, we did, we, you know, we did have our successes and all this sort of stuff, but, you know, it speaks to the fact that he continued to still do most of the travel with the team while he was injured, um, just to be there as a presence in the locker room, to be, you know, to be the captain, to be the support that he has been charged to do with this team. And I think that he took that role very seriously. I said it before, Nick Felino is big shoes to fill. Like he is just, he's big shoes to fill. And I think Boone did it perfectly. Like, I really don't think we could ask for a better season from this this first year 
captain. Obviously, we would have loved if he would have been able to stay healthy, but I think giving him the time, not forcing him to come back um, towards the end of the season and giving him that time to like really heal and really train this summer, like I think he's going to come back even more motivated um, when they return in the fall. So. Agreed. And I think we both can chalk up this projection to the fact that he got hurt and we didn't expect that. So listen yeah. in, we're, we're both obviously wrong about this, but um, I don't know if either of us said lower. I guess if one of us said lower, technically that, that is right. No, I think we both said higher. Yeah. We're going to know in a second. We're going to know in a second. Yeah. So here it is. Player Boone Jenner, he's got 18, 12, and 30 in the first 43 games, uh, which would be good for 16, 11, and 27. Uh, so 34 goals, 23 assists uh, would be good for um, 57 points on the season. So what do you think? I'm going higher for our captain. I think that he has stepped up in many ways. And I think that this, not that he was in Nick's shadow per se, but Nick Felino did cast a pretty wide shadow as the captain of the Blue Jackets. And, you know, I think while Boone is still figuring out what exactly that looks like for him, I think in so many ways he's just really taken off with it and is having one of his better seasons as a player. And so, yeah, we're going to struggle, but I think he's going to do his damnedest to keep keep the spirit and the energy alive and keep them focused on what's to come and that this situation that we're in is projected to be temporary. Um, so... Yeah, I'm going. I'm going higher for Mr. CBJ himself, Captain Boone Jenner. There have been a couple of times where I've said smash the higher, smash the lower. Um, Are you smashing the lower? I'm going to very, 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 very lightly touch the lower button. Like it's like like. I'm oh, saying this like, is your way of riding the as projected. No, I'm saying lower. I'll own it. Like I think it's going to be lower. I I just think it. I think like it's saying 16, 11, and 27. If he ended up with 14, 8, and 22, like that would like, you know, I mean, like that wouldn't surprise me. I I think I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him a bone here. I think he's still gonna hit 30 goals. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not. Whether or not he brings the rest home, but that's kind of where I'm at. And the good news, and once again, we'll find out together uh, <laughs> what we said. That feels very symbolic of my life, right? Like, let me just say a bunch of shit and then remember later what I said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, in, in full transparency, this is the only one of these episodes that we've done where we haven't listened to the right. um, predictions before we started recording. So... That's on us, but it's fine. We're all going to find out together. It's like a really great journey. It's actually more um, fun to play. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a, a choose-your-own-adventure book. So we're choosing to find out with everyone else what our predictions were. But like we said, we were more than likely wrong because this was prior to Boone getting injured. Um, and Boone was, like like we said, having a like career season. So, um, so yeah, I think... In fairness, I think I'm going to give him the same grade that I gave Lars and give him a B plus. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with an A-. minus. Um, I, I just... For all the reasons that I said, I just think it was a really great year for Boone. And uh, this next player, I mean, honestly, we don't have to spend a ton of time on him because he didn't play again after we said what we said earlier. So really, we could just insert our projection... Well, let me introduce him. Right. No, for sure. Like, I'll give you that. But, like, wild. Yeah. So, our next and last player for this episode is number 42, Alexander Texier. Uh, He is 22 years old. He played only 36 games for the Blue Jackets, um, which equated to 11 goals, 9 assists, 20 points on the season. And he was a flat zero in the plus and minus. Um, And he did not... um, or he, I either didn't write it down or he didn't have any um, penalty minutes, um, which I don't think is right, but that's fine. Um, so, yeah, we I think he was injured when we recorded the predictions. Um, yeah. And at the time, we did not know uh, that he would not be returning for the rest of the season uh, due to not only his injury, he injured his um, finger, dislocated his finger in the end of January um but then suffered um his own personal tragedy losing two relatives um close together um and so he returned to france uh and the team allowed him to uh stay there for as long as he needed so he did not return but the happy news was that he did come back to and it was a really great sign the team signed off on it he did come back recently to play in the world juniors for team france um, or not the world juniors, the world championships, uh, to play for France. Um, so that is a really good sign that he is getting back and he had a really good, he had some really good stats playing for France, um, in the world championship. So, um, that is a very good sign. Blue Jackets fans should feel confident and comfortable with that, that he's getting back in the headspace and getting, had stayed in shape while he, um, was taking care of his, um, personal stuff. So, yeah, and I, yeah, it's just the kind of thing where, like, if, and we'll play it in a second, I make no hesitations in my love for Alexander Texier, especially this year. Um, I felt like he really found his stride at a certain point, and it was, again, really unfortunate that for a number of circumstances, he wasn't able to continue. Uh, in his development. He's a player that just feels like his development has been stunted by so many different things. That's not to say that he won't turn into what we want him to eventually, but I just feel bad for the kid. Uh, it's a lot of really hard hard circumstances to be playing through, whether that's COVID, whether that's – I mean, actually, for, for the most part, it's been COVID for him. But, you know, thinking COVID, thinking family, family tragedies, injuries, it's all really hard. And for those of you who are keeping track at home, 12 penalty minutes this year. So, um, Thank you, know, you. He wasn't He wasn't totally – you know, well-behaved, but could have been a lot worse. So I feel like we should probably just let the folks hear what we had to say. I I know I was wrong. I think I say that I smashed the higher button. And, uh, well, the reality is, folks, it just was zero, zero, zero. So take a listen. Uh, a player that I'm high on, as you know, is Alexander Texier. And uh, 11, 9, 20 in his first 36 games. We're going to project him at 30 games played, similar to Jake Bean, based on the timetable for his injury. Uh, which would put him at 9, 18, and 17. I'm smashing the higher. Like, I am smashing the higher. I want it to be higher, 
I want it to be higher. So lower? No, I'm I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna do the kind of cop out. I'm gonna say as projected. Ew. We've made it through all of these and you're gonna do that now. Yes. No, no, you're not. Higher or lower. No, I'm allowed to say as projected. Higher or lower. No. Higher or lower. You're being rude. Higher or lower. Um fine, lower. Thank you. So yeah, we were both wrong, but no, you were like, right. I feel like you oh, were right. Was I right. Yeah, because yeah. I remember I like I yelled at you for saying even, uh, and then I think you said lower. I think you said slightly lower. Yes. I guess I could sound like a dumbass right now on the clip. If you said higher, I'm gonna sound like an idiot. But I'm fairly certain. No, I, I do believe you. I do believe that this is the the player where I tried to say that he was properly rated, and you were like, absolutely not. You can't punk out and say properly rated so um, and aren't you glad i did that because you ended up being right i think well there we go so um i always lead you down the path of success laura you do a, a decent job at it so Thank i'm very you. thankful for that but uh so yeah so again it there were a lot of hurdles he did seem to like be coming back you know, more finding his groove. This was a very up and down for the games that he did play. This was a very up and down season for Tex. Um, but, you know, before he got injured, like he was definitely getting back to his old self and like he was producing for the team. And even if he wasn't showing on the score sheet, like he was really starting to like be that dynamic player on the ice that we anticipate him to be. And so it was just really unfortunate in in many ways that a he got injured when he did but then b that he had to you know suffer this personal tragedy um which which took him out of out of the game for the rest of the season but you know so for this and based on just like the base number of 36 games which isn't a huge thing to uh, compare but i think i'm gonna give him like a c plus I think I think that um, he was trying, and he. I just think life and things got in the way, and you know I'm a little bit more sen- not more than Jeremy, but like in this case, like I think taking a little bit more sentimental perspective at it, where like he just had so many hurdles, COVID and injury and this situation with his family and that's just a lot. Um, so I'm going to give him a C plus. I think, and honestly, I feel like I'm price is writing you every single time I give a grade, like it's always just the next grade up. And I kind of feel like a dick for it. Mostly because I still hold with me the note that you had during your interview, your exit interview with Steven, where you said, I know Jeremy's going to rate lower. And now I feel like maybe I just have a complex to always give grades higher than yours. Probably. Um, but I'm going to go with a B minus. Cause again, like we talked about C being my like baseline average. I do feel like he was above average. Like I do feel that way. Um, it's just a matter of how far above average. And I think when he was finding his game at the time he was injured, I do feel like he really was starting to find it. And I really do feel like we started to see what he can be. And that is a top six forward in this lineup. I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? Is like if he fully develops into what we want him to be and what we think he can be, he's going to be outstanding. And so I'm going to go with a B minus. 
we're hoping for the best out of that situation. We're hoping he turns out. But Laura, that wraps up the number of player reviews that we had for this episode. We had five done and uh, feeling pretty good about it. Feeling pretty good about where we're at uh, after this one. We really appreciate you all sitting in and listening because we're at an hour and f- about 15 minutes recording at this point. And we, I haven't even cut in our pieces from the last episode for, or from the episode in February. So you all are sticking through it, and I really appreciate that. Uh, because yeah, fairness, we, we had a lot of news to share. That is true. The next one will not be this long. Like the next one, unless like all hell breaks loose <laughs> in Blue Dragon's Land, like it will not be this long. Because uh, we had a half hour worth of news. So we, yeah. we, hope that, we hope that you enjoyed it. We've missed you. We've missed recording like this. I mean, for me, it just feels so uh, cathartic. Like I just feel really good after recording this with you. And I know I don't say that enough. And I definitely don't say it enough on here. Um, but it just makes me so happy to be able to do this with you. Specifically speaking, is my favorite thing that the Blue Jackets have ever given me. And so um, I'm very, very pleased to have been able to do this today. So I feel really good. I I echo all those sentiments because, like we said, it's been a, a minute since we've been able to record. Life has been rough sauce um, for both of us over the last month. And this is something I know – we say it all the time. Well, we try to at least. Like this is just an experience and a platform and a journey that I, for one, am very grateful for. This is something that keeps me um, sane on some days. So um, I am very grateful for uh, this experience and for for Jeremy. If I don't say it enough, um, but I'm just happy that we're back recording and. Um, hopefully we're not going to need to take any more crazy long breaks um, because we do have a lot of exciting things that we want to do that we want to bring to you. Um, and so hopefully all positive things ahead. Y'all aren't even ready for the things that I have in this brain. Like you all really are not ready. Um, a lot of really fun things coming, coming our way um over the course of the next few months that i'm really looking forward to and, and i hope that you all are too uh because it has like let's call it what it is it's been a shitty few months it's been a shitty few years it's just been a shit show and uh it feels like maybe perhaps potentially we are in a place to be able to control our own destiny moving forward and that's really exciting so um we hope that you join us for that uh laura who would i be if I took this from you today. So rude. I'd be so fucked up if I <laughs> if I took this from you today. First time in a while you've gotten to say this. So Laura, I need you to tell the good people where they can find us. Tell them all the spots. Let them know. Oh God, let's hope that I can remember all of it since it's been a minute. But yes, you can yeah, follow us. On- <laughs> you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at Subjectively Speaking. Uh, if you want to support your two favorite uh, hockey podcasters for, you know, just in general or Finland or Cannonball or just so that we can maybe get some caffeine, um, please check out our merch store. Uh, I've said it 97 times. Eventually, we're going to have some new merch. But for right now, there's a lot of really cute things I'm actually wearing merch right now i am wearing our lars bar shirt um for coach lars 
but you can check that out at uh, subjectivelyspeaking.threadless.com. Lots of cool things. You can basically get one of our logos on almost anything. So, and then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please scroll on down and give us a five-star rating. It is our favorite number. Again, we're not sure how the algorithm algorithm works, um, but it does help us rise up in the hockey podcast charts and bring more people to this little community that we were building. So you can give us give us a little love. We would appreciate it. And then lastly, we just love and appreciate you guys so much. We do. And I'm going to throw another plug in there. Um, it's a little bit of self-promotion, so I do apologize. Mm. Um, but it does mean good things for our podcast. And that is that um, I, as you all know, I think we talked about it on the show, that I have written for um, Field Pass Hockey for about a year, fieldpasshockey.com. You can check it out. Um, and I've been covering the Rochester Americans and our good friend, Dina Weinheimer got a pretty sick promotion. She's a managing editor now for the site. So she is like all the way up here, y'all. Like she is like the one, like we're really excited for her. We'll get her on the show this off season. I feel like we need to get her on if nothing else, but just to, to Kiki. So, uh, we'll have her on at some point, but her getting that role meant that she left the Cleveland monsters beat and uh, what that means for me is that I am the new beat writer for the Cleveland Monsters on FieldPassHockey.com. And Yay! so, yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. All love to Rochester and all of the work that I've done there. But um, I am pumped <laughs> to be uh, writing beat for or covering the beat for the Cleveland Monsters on Field Pass Hockey. So if you want to follow me on Twitter in relation to – the work that I'm doing with the Cleveland Monsters, you can follow me at FPH Monsters. Um, gonna I have to Dina's shoes are so big to fill. I'm like screwed. Like it's like she's so good. She's so good. But I'm really excited for it. So don't let him fool you, folks. He is incredible. He's a wonderful sports writer. And I can say, as his best friend and as his co-host, I am incredibly proud. Um, so excited to have him be able to cover the monsters um, because, you know, it's to be doing this for the Blue Jackets and then get this added benefit of now this incredible access that we're going to have um, to the team that, you know, feeds the Blue Jackets um, is an incredible opportunity. And I'm just very excited. And it would also probably mean that Jeremy will have to come to Ohio more often. So um, that's always a positive for me. But congratulations, my love. I am so happy for you. And it is continuing on in the exciting things that we have in store for everyone uh, in the coming months. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you all more than words can say. You all are what gives us... It's like what I said. It was so corny, but it's like what I said with Steven's interview. Like, it, when I stop feeling like we're doing this for other people, when I stop feeling so connected to this work is when this podcast will end. And good news, I'm so far away from that. This has been so good. I love you all so much. Thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate you more than words could ever describe. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye.